We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Transformative Principle, Episode 42, with Mike Rogers, Part 1. Welcome to Transformative Principle where we interview real principals who are doing amazing things to help our students every single day. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter, at Jethro Jones. Sure. Uh, my name is Mike Rogers. I'm from St. Paul, Minnesota, and I am a uh, principal of a pre-K through eighth grade elementary school. Great. And uh, you've been... Um, how long have you been at that school? Uh, this, this current year that we just started a couple weeks ago is my fourth year. Uh, and then before that, I was at a different school as a middle school history teacher. Okay. Um, and uh, tell me about how you got into administration. Who was somebody that, that helped guide you into that? Um, well, I would say I didn't really think about it until I was in probably my sixth or seventh year as a teacher. Uh, before I taught at the middle school I taught at, I taught at a high school also for four years. So I'd had enough experience as a teacher. Uh, and I kind of started to think about, you know, what, what sorts of things I would do um, if I was the principal. Uh, and then the principal that I had when I was a middle school teacher was uh, just a fantastic uh, mentor to me. Um, he's since moved on to to other positions, but he's actually the vice president uh, vice president of the uh, National Catholic Educational Association. Mm -hmm. um, a guy named Pat Lofton, and and Pat really was a great principal himself, and really, I guess, saw something in me that maybe I wasn't sure that I had <laughs> that yeah. uh, really helped to encourage me. Um, he was a great mentor to me, gave me some leadership opportunities in the school that I was in at the time, and then that was sort of what inspired me to get a master's degree in educational leadership. Uh, and then shortly after I graduated from that program, uh, 
I was uh, approached to be the principal of, of a different school and it uh, just kind of worked out and that's where I am today. Awesome. And so um, I, I don't tip, I don't interview a lot of uh, um, t- principals of uh, Catholic and religious schools, but tell me about how it's different for you being the principal of a um, of a Catholic school as opposed to a public school. I think I don't I don't have any experience as a principal of a public school, but mm-hmm. my impression is that um, we tend to do a lot in, I think, all non-public schools, you know, whether they're religious, faith-based or not. We tend to do a lot with uh, maybe a little bit less. Uh, you know, we, we have to charge tuition for students to attend because we're not funded by tax dollars. So we really have to make every dollar count. And, and so there typically is not a huge, a, a large uh, group of administrators working in one school. And so at my school, for example, I'm the only administrator of a pre-K through eight school and there's one school secretary, uh, then there's a preschool director. But other than that, that's kind of our administrative staff right there, what I just named. And wow. there, are, there are support people at the parish that our school is a part of. Uh, but there are a lot of things that kind of come to my office, I guess, is the best way to put it, that maybe a public school principal may not have to work with. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in heavily involved with maintenance of the facility, mm-hmm. uh, but then the more typical things that a principal would be involved in, such as curriculum, instruction, supervision, uh, things like that, discipline. Uh, but there are also a lot of other things. You know, fundraising, for example, takes up you know, a significant amount of time because we, we rely on fundraising quite a bit to offset the tuition for our school families. Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, that's one of the things that, um, I have a friend who became a Catholic school principal and it was, it's for the Madeline choir school in, um, in Salt Lake city, Utah. And she, they go on trips with the choir every single year, like touring around the world. And, you know, her, she said to me that it was something like um, her job was more of, of a fundraiser than a school principal. Sometimes she felt. And do you feel that happens to you too? That you get so caught up in that fundraising? Um, that that's a kind of a temptation, I guess. Sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, ultimately, though, it's trying to strike the right balance between the two because you know it's the same with like setting tuition, for example. Uh, you know, if we could charge more and have more things available for our students, that would be great. But then how many of our students would no longer be able to attend the school? And so with fundraising and other duties of being a principal, it's kind of a similar balance that has to be struck. And thankfully, we have, you know, great volunteers at my school, uh, amazing teachers that do uh, a lot of work as well. And so it's, it's kind of trying to like I said, strike the right balance between all those different responsibilities. That's probably the constant challenge uh, is is to make sure that, you know, remembering that ultimately the, the reason that I am there is to uh, make the school and the students amazing kids. And, uh, you know, sometimes that does involve fundraising because it, you know, by fundraising, we can we can get something that maybe we would not have been able to get otherwise. Uh, mm-hmm. Technology in our classrooms, for example. Uh, but at the same time, there are other responsibilities that at other times are more important. So it's like I said, it's it's a balance, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as with most things, uh, you need to have a balance, and that's that's some wise information uh, and perspective to be sure. 
Um, what are the aspects of your leadership that you think are the most um, important that are the most uh, valuable to you? Um, that's a good question. I would say that I think one of the things that I probably bring to the table as the principal of my school is a willingness to think outside of the box and not to be too much uh, structured into a very rigid traditional educational system. Uh, there's a lot to be said for you know a traditional education, but in this day and age in 2014 with all the things that students have at their disposal, I, I really like to encourage teachers to strike out on their own to some extent. And, that, and that's another nice thing about being in a non-public school is that uh, I'm able to give the teachers quite a bit of freedom obviously, as long as the student learning is still occurring and, and the students are meeting the objectives that we've set for them. But uh, there's a little bit more flexibility, I think, in the way that the teachers go about that. And I really try to encourage that uh, if a teacher comes to me with a great idea and asks if they can do it, it's rare that I will say no unless I see some major problem with it that's going to affect the students in a, in a detrimental way. But that really doesn't happen. So I think... Uh, I try to be willing to to allow the teachers to do what they need to do to have success in the classroom with their students. Yeah, that's that's powerful. How do you get teachers to be at that point where they're thinking outside the box, um, even if they have a more traditional view of education than you do? Um, I would say that a lot of that involves just keeping up on things myself and, and not, and, and talking about them, uh, you know, passing on things that maybe I've read that a teacher might find interesting. And a lot of it goes back to also, uh, hiring, uh, this year we, you know, we don't have a lot of teachers in my school, but we, we did hire uh, three new teachers this year. And they're all people that I think, uh, I can tell are going to be willing to, to go in those directions that, uh, I would like our school to go. And, I think having good examples around everybody else can really inspire other people as well. Hmm. And then also just simply having things available that, uh, you know, the teachers can play with. You know, we, we started using iPads in the school a couple of years ago. We bought a, a cart of shared iPads and, you know, simply just being able to give those to the teachers over the summer and saying, here, you know, see, see what you can find out with this. And, um, then people, you know, teachers start to talk and with a small staff like ours, the relationships are very close. And so the teachers can see from each other, you know, the things that they're learning and they, they can share and they can teach each other. And that really helps a lot, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, give me an example of a time when there's been a teacher that has been, um, resistant to, doing something new and how you coached that teacher along to try something that was out of their comfort zone? Um, I try to encourage teachers. I don't want to get too specific, but I, sure. I try to te encourage teachers to um, be willing to make mistakes. I think that's something that um, our culture may not always appreciate. But, you know, especially when we're in teaching elementary school, you know, kids make mistakes and really teachers can make mistakes too. Principals can make mistakes even. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I've made them and I, and I am, you know, I try to admit them when that's happened. So I think that um, just encouraging teachers to maybe go out on a limb with something and also providing the support. Um, 
on that limb, I guess would be a way to put it. You know, you don't want to prop them up the entire way, but giving them enough support that they feel comfortable stepping out on the limb in the first place, I guess, is the best way to put it, whether that be in, in some form of professional development or my own personal support with a, with a problem that they're having or something like that or, or helping identifying other teachers that can help. I think those are all th ways to um, encourage teachers that, uh, you know, to, to go outside of the box. And really, uh, one of the neatest things that happened this year is that we came back after the summer break a few weeks ago, and uh, I had a teacher that was just raving about Twitter. And, uh, I, you know, she was not somebody that I would have maybe expected to be raving about Twitter a year ago. But mm -hmm. because of some of the experiences that she had over the summer, uh, she was really excited about this. And I mean, that's, that's the greatest thing in the world. I mean, you really like it when the students get it too, but I suppose the second best thing is when the teachers really get it or they, they're really excited about something. So that really energizes me to keep doing what I do is when uh, the teachers and the students can get really excited about some new thing that we're doing in the school. Yeah, that, that does make a big difference. Um, you, we glanced over something that you said a little bit earlier about uh, hiring great people. What kind of people are you looking for as teachers and how do you, how are you able to tell if they're meeting the criteria that you have for them? Uh, I would say that I really look for, for people that are going to be willing to try new things uh, or that really bring an energy to the classroom. And this is something that I think I'm fairly good at picking up in the course of an interview when, when first talking to a teacher. Um, and then one of the questions I like to ask when I interview teachers is, what is it about this particular age group of students? For example, if I'm interviewing a, a middle school candidate, I would ask them, what is it about middle school students that makes you want to teach them? And I think that question, as much as any question, can tell tell me a lot about what type of person this is. And, and, you know, if it's a middle school classroom, I'm, I'm going to expect them to say, you know, they're curious, they're energetic, they're at this really important point in their life where they're starting to change, um, as a person. And, and I really listen closely to how they answer that question. And I think that can reveal a lot about what type of teacher, uh, somebody is and what type of relationship that they're going to have with the students. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those relationships are so important at every level, but it seems like at the middle school level, um, if you can't establish good relationships with the kids, it's it's incredibly difficult to to get them on the same page as you in the classroom. Right. And it, and it really involves, I think, especially as you get into middle school, uh, an approach that has to be very persistent on the part of the teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, they you know, I think a good teacher, especially at the middle school level, is going to establish good relationships with most of the students uh, pretty much right off the bat. But there are going to be a few students that they might struggle with a little bit. And, they, and if they're persistent about that, I think that's always a great sign that they're continuing to try and establish the relationship because that's really what, I mean, that's a lot of what education is all about. When there are, you know, 20 kids in a class and there's one teacher, you just have to have those great you know, great relationships with the students if it's going to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm going to change gears here a little bit. You, uh, in the um, internet world, you're a little bit of a celebrity now because you've been on two um, pretty big podcasts recently. One was the Systematic Podcast, 
um, which is hosted by Brett Terpstrom. The other one was the Mac Power Users podcast, which is hosted by David Sparks and Katie Floyd. Um, tell me about uh, about how you got hooked up with being on those two podcasts and why they wanted to talk to a principal from Minnesota. Good question. <laughs> um, well, I in both cases, um, I had... Uh, I, I have a blog, you know, where I write a little bit about how I use technology in the class or in the, um, in my role as a school principal. And, um, really they had seen some things that I had written and that I, and I had shared with them that were maybe a little bit outside of the norm of what their viewers, or I should say listeners, mm -hmm. uh, might be doing. And so in both cases, I don't think either one of those shows had ever featured you know, or talk to somebody that was a principal in a, in a school. They had maybe talked to a few other educators. Um, Bradley Chambers and Fraser Spears come to mind. They're, they host their own podcast. But I don't think they had had either show had had somebody that was in a leadership position in a school. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of times, you know, I have a, a real passion for education, but I also have equally as large of a passion for technology and and I really have gotten a kick out of over the past four years learning how I can take this love of technology and use it to help me become a better and more effective principal. Um, you know, we, we have all these fancy computers that are so fast and they do amazing things, but if we can't sort of leverage that, I guess to use kind of a cliched term, if we can't leverage that into our daily life in our work or in our even our personal lives, then, you know, we're we've spent a lot of money on some fancy technology that is just making a phone call in the case of a, of an iPhone, for example. So mm -hmm. I think I, I really have enjoyed over the past year, um, speaking at a few conferences and things, uh, to help principals in particular learn how they can also be more effective using the technology that's in their pocket. And that's really kind of a passion of mine. So I started writing about that on my blog, um, which is techadvance.com. Uh, T E C H E D V A N C E dot com. I started writing about that uh, over a year ago, almost two years ago now, and uh, it just kind of built from there. It's not a huge audience, but I guess enough people had had seen what I had written and uh, that those two podcasts in particular wanted to talk to me. So that was really fun. It's it's really fun being on this podcast as well. It was worth uh, purchasing the nice microphone that I'm using, <laughs> um, and it's just really cool. It's another way to connect in in a digital in a digital way and in a digital world that, you know, probably five, six, seven years ago, I might not have had. And if it can help other school administrators or even people in other professions, uh, do their jobs more effectively and more productively, then that's something that I'm, you know, you can definitely count me in on that. Yeah. And you know, what's so cool is that, um, you know, you're, in Minnesota, I'm in Alaska, and we are able to, I'm learning things from you by talking to you right now, but then we're sharing that with so many other people who, who listen to this podcast and get, um, and get tips and tricks from, from the principles that I interview. And I find that so powerful that, uh, I can have experts come to me and as a podcast listener and learn those things and feel very fortunate to be able to connect with people like you they're doing some amazing things and be able to share that with with other people as well so i'd like to were you gonna say something sorry oh, i was i was just gonna say that i think that's one of the real strengths of podcasts as a medium mm -hmm. is that 
you know, I've learned so much from the podcasts that I listen to, which are, you know, education and, and technology based that I've been able to use. And it's just amazing. You think, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago, this type of learning that I can do in my car while I'm driving to school uh, was not necessarily possible, you know, and I think that's one of the great strengths of podcasts. I, I, I mean, that's the bulk of my entertainment diet mm -hmm. <laughs> is, is podcasts. You know, I'm not watching a lot of TV. I watch the occasional movie, but I mean, a lot of it is podcasts and it's not only entertaining, but I can almost always find something that I can bring back and use in my own day to day. That's going to help me out as well. So it's, it's very powerful. That's great. So the next question I was going to ask was, how do you um, keep up your skills and learn new things yourself? But what I want to ask before I ask that is, what are some of the podcasts that you listen to? And why do you listen to them? Good question. Um, I listen to a lot of stuff from the five by five network, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Mac power user systematic, uh, back to work is a great one, uh, just for kind of general uh, I don't want to say productivity, but kind of um, balance type things. That's hosted mm -hmm. by Mer Merlin Mann and, and Dan Benjamin, and they always have funny and also um, helpful things to talk about. And then there's a couple others that I listen to that are more liberal arts based, um, and and specifically in education. That would be um, Out of School, which is the one that Fraser Spears and and Bradley Chambers. Uh, put out. That's a great one, especially when it comes to technology in the classroom in a one-to-one -one environment. They had a great series that they did where they did 15 episodes a few months ago yeah. that covered uh, everything from start to finish of a one-to-one -one iPad, iPad deployment, which is something that we're in the middle of in my school right now. I'm actually handing out the iPads tomorrow. <laughs> so oh, fun. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's been really helpful. Um, so in, and in that, just learning. that right there, Mike, would be I mean, that is tons of valuable, valuable information that, mm -hmm. um, you know, somebody is giving away for free. They did all the hard work and learned how to do it the right way so that when it's your turn to do it, you can you can just listen to that, get some ideas and hopefully save some money on paying a consultant to do those things. You know, right. And, th and that's another example of of me doing a lot of things in my school that maybe in a right. public school there'd be other people responsible for. Uh -huh. uh, so, and, and yeah, it's, it's free, uh, professional development. And, um, you know, if the, if the podcast is good, hopefully the people putting out the podcast are making a little bit of money too from sponsorships. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I mean, this is stuff that I would pay for, you know, right. and I can just listen to it in the car. It's that kind of, uh, anywhere, anytime sort of learning that is just incredible in this day and age. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of the other ones, other podcasts? Um, I was going to mention one called 99% Invisible, uh, oh, which is not, it's not education based, but it, it kind of looks at some of the things in the world that are just kind of behind the scenes, I guess, hmm. that you, you might not always think about every day, but are happening, such as, you know, the way that airports are designed. You know, mm -hmm. I, I love that kind of stuff because there's somebody out there that is their job is to design this airport in a way that helps people get around. And, uh, you learn a lot about kind of different types of careers and, you know, things like that. So that's another good one. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Um, there's a good one on five by five called workflowing with a guy named Mike Vardy, uh, who you may have heard of, who has a lot of great stuff about how to kind of get things done. It's that kind of productivity thing again, but I've, 
learned a lot from there that I've taken into my job as a principal as well. So I, I definitely recommend that one. And those are probably my top recommendations, I think. Yeah, that's great. What I, what I love about that is that you have some that are education related, some that are not, and most of those were not education specific, but they're still helping you in your day-to-day job of being a school principal. Can you talk about how they're helping you day-to-day? Um, I would say that a lot of it, again, comes back to this idea of balance between all these different sorts of uh, responsibilities. Um, you know, some of the, the, the conferences that I've done and the, and the talks that I've given at, at a few different places over the past year relate to that idea of, you know, how do we balance all this stuff? How do we figure out what's important? Where do we spend the bulk of our time, as we talked about at the start of the this podcast? And mm-hmm. I think it's really helpful to listen to a, a few of those podcasts that that talk about, you know, uh, trying to get out of your email inbox, for example, and and focusing on what's really important. And I think in my position in particular in a non-public school, there's so many things that can just pull me away from what's truly important. And there's a lot of things that I can say yes to when I might not actually have the time for them. And they've kind of helped me to be a little bit more focused in my day-to-day work in what I'm doing. And, and they've helped me to keep things in balance a little bit better. Um, you know, even, even things like, you know, I struggled when I first became a principal with, you know, just constantly checking email, even when I was at home. And while I, I can't say that I've completely cured myself of that, it, I've, I've changed my practice a lot based on some of the things I've learned from some of these podcasts to recognize that the email is still going to be there tomorrow. And if it's after hours and it's nine o'clock at night and I'm doing work email, you know, that's time that's taken away from my family. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've tried to get a lot better about that. And I think I've been pretty successful. Um, you know, I've, I've, two young children and I, I want to watch them grow up. I don't want to be buried in my phone all the time. So I'm much more likely now after four years of being in this position to, you know, set the phone down when I come home and, and be present more. And, and part of that is because, you know, I have what I need to do written down somewhere. You know, I use OmniFocus to kind of manage everything. And so I have everything written down that I need to do, and it's still going to be there tomorrow. I don't have to keep it up in my head, and I can free up some of my brain space to focus on, you know, uh, playing with Duplos, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. after dinner. And that's really the most important thing that I do is is playing with the Duplos with my kids and being with my family and my wife. So, um, you know, I, I can kind of rest easy knowing that, my priorities are in order. And, you know, when I get to school tomorrow, I will know what I need to work on because I've been very uh, deliberate about what I'm doing and what I'm spending my time on. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of, I guess, maybe a long winded answer. But some of those podcasts have really helped me with that. And uh, I think they've made me a better principal, you know, in an indirect sort of way. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this podcast. Please subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher, and please feel free to give us a rating on Stitcher Radio or on iTunes so that we can help spread the word about how much we're learning in this podcast. 
Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.